Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Keep It Simple Digital Marketing. I'm your host, Michael Mack. This week I want to talk to you about the importance of personal branding and the three elements that you need to have in order to properly brand yourself for the future of work. Uh, As you've probably read in the news and are seeing online and stories and maybe even some uh, personal experience you may have had already, artificial intelligence and uh, globalization are continuing to change and shape the way we work, how we work, where we work, who we work with, who we work for. Additionally, uh, since the Great Recession, we've had the gig economy, which is uh, causing a lot of people to find that they have to become independent contractors and seek out work for themselves on a part-time or full-time basis. In an introduction to this dialogue, I wanted to start with the three things that you really need to have in order to personally brand yourself for the future of work. I'll talk about each one of those things separately, and I'll give you a kicker. There's a fourth thing that you don't have to have, but if you had it, it would probably be of great value and help to you. Uh, If you are looking for work right now, if you're soon to be looking for work, or if you plan on working in the future, I think that you'll find this content applicable and helpful, and it might change your uh, view of how you present yourself in the future to employers, or possibly if you are in a gig economy or in a contractor state, how to position yourselves to potential clients. So stick around. I got a lot of good information for you, and uh, I think this will be really good. Thanks. Very quickly, I wanted to remind you that the Keep It Simple Digital Marketing Podcast is sponsored by me, Michael Mack. My company, Michael McAteer Communications, LLC, specializing in digital marketing solutions and creative brand development for businesses of all sizes, local, regional, national, and international. So if you'd like more information about my company and how I might be able to help you with your digital marketing and social media marketing, uh, go to michaelmacdigitalmarketing.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-C, digitalmarketing.com. Uh, for more, you can reach me at getmemichaelmack at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Tumblr at getmemichaelmack. Thanks. The first thing that you absolutely must have to personally brand yourself is mastery of skill. Now, this can come in different forms depending on the field that you're in, your level of experience or expertise or education, how much education is required to do the job, and a whole other host of factors. And it may not even be just your education or just your experience that makes the difference. Depending on your personal brand, it may be some combination therein, or it may have to do with some other factor outside of education experience, which proves that if someone is willing to commit dollars to you for work, that you can do the job. I'll give you an example of this from my own life. Recently, I was working for a company that needed to hire a tabletop photographer somebody who would be shooting 
uh, pictures of product on a white ground for Amazon and for their website. It's a very specific skill set. It's not like portrait photography or event photography or even journalism photography. This is a very specific kind of photography. It requires a specific skill set. The company asked me if I would help to find the right person to fill the need. And I said, of course, I'd be happy to do that. So in the course of helping them set up the job on the different job websites to find the right talent, we specified in the job ad that you must have tabletop photography experience. I got, in the matter of one day, probably 60 applicants, which ranged from nowhere near qualified to probably bordering on overqualified for what this job was. And we got a bunch of resumes in, and some people had degrees in photography from college. Some people didn't, but they had many years of experience of working as a photographer or a photography assistant, etc. And on the resume, they all looked pretty good. Even the, the ones that were of greatest interest to me as candidates uh, looked most promising. That did not demonstrate the mastery of skill, not in this case, because the resume could only tell me so much. What I really wanted was to see pictures of their work. So I would ask them, I'd say, do you have an online portfolio that you could point me to? Or can you send me some pictures of your work? And it was extremely telling because it very quickly, I was able to determine that some people were very good photographers, but the examples of the work they sent me were portrait photography or were event photography or different things. It had nothing to do with tabletop photography. And while they were very perfunctory at photography, they were not able to demonstrate mastery of a specific type of photography that I needed. So after starting by sorting by resume and then further sorting by examples of their work visually, we're able to limit it to maybe three or four people that were had the right resume technical experience but also had the mastery of skill of demonstrating that they had done tabletop photography. And I felt confident that they could do the job. Now, the last part of this story, which is applicable to this conversation, is that while the candidates, the four that we had selected, all had mastery of skill as far as the right credentials on paper, right? They all had suitable portfolio work of tabletop photography, which showcased that they were able to do this job. What ultimately made the biggest difference was that not everybody who came in for the interview showcased the same mastery of skill in person. What I mean by that was that some people, although they looked great in their portfolio and resume for the interview, did not interview well at all. And I didn't have nearly as much confidence in them and the ability to do their job. So they may have passed the mastery of skill test with a resume, with their portfolio, but their in-person transpondence, right, how they came across in person, failed to meet the test. So the person that they ended up hiring ultimately was somebody who had probably suitable credentials, 
They had not great experience, but enough. But they had the right temperament and the right personality to demonstrate that if we brought them in, they had a willingness to learn and experiment on the job and to do whatever it took to really do a great job for this company. And they ended up hiring that person. So mastery of skill comes in many different forms. And it's incumbent upon you as a job candidate or as a working person to understand where your mastery of skill lies and then to maximize that mastery of skill in the field which serves you best. I'll explain more of this in the next segment. In the last segment, we determined that you must have mastery of skill in order to demonstrate that you have the aptitude, capacity, and capability to do the job with which you're applying. Now that's half the battle. The other half of that battle is figuring out the right way to present yourself in terms that best match your mastery of skill. I know that sounds really kind of odd, and I'll try to break that down in a way that will help you better understand. I like to do audio podcasts because I am moderately dyslexic, and according to my wife, I cannot spell. So typically when I'm writing things, I have to send them through her to edit for me because she is a very good writer and a very good editor and can really pick out my grammatical errors for me as they go through and I have a spelled word here or there. So I know that my master's skill does not lie in the written word. I can write. I'm a competent writer, but that's not really where my talents lie. I much prefer delivering my mastery of skill with talking and demonstrating and speaking and lecturing and showcasing my knowledge through words. So audio and video would be my preferred method of demonstrating my mastery of skill. So for example, if I was going for a job in the future or if I had a new client that said, how do I know that you know what you're doing with creative brand development and digital marketing? How do I know that you know what you're talking about? I could say, listen to my podcast. Listen to any one of the episodes that I have online, and you can see for yourself that I can speak fluently of that which I know and that you should have full confidence in my capacity to do the job well. My wife is also a very good speaker and looks great on video. Uh, She does video lectures for her classes online. But she is such a strong writer that her mastery of skill really is in the written word. She has such a great mastery of writing that that's where her mastery of skill really shines. So in her case, if she was applying for a job or a position in the future or wanted to brand herself her mastery of skill would probably come in the form of a blog wherein she could do long format or short format essays and write about a host of topics of which she had experience or knowledge that would be useful to employer. 
and solve the same problem. If an employer said, how do we know that you know what you're doing? Or how do we know that we could trust you with this assignment? She could say, go to my blog, read what I've read. You can see for yourself. These kind of anecdotal evidence are really, really helpful to an employer because oftentimes employers don't really have a great deal of time to take the time to get to know you as a candidate or as a personal contractor. And they have to make decisions on who's going to get the job in a relatively short period of time. And if you have evidence of mastery of skill in a particular format, which supports your argument best, the chances are you're probably going to have an upper leg on the other guy. Just to drive home this point one more way, I use the example of the tabletop photographer again. So in the case of tabletop photography, the best example of mastery of skill isn't through audio or video or through the written word. It's through a visual portfolio. You want to wow somebody with your, with your photography, with your images. So the best way to showcase that you're a really great photographer is to have a competent online portfolio that somebody could go to and say, hey, I saw pictures of your work, or if you'd like to see my work, go to this website at your own convenience and time, and you could see what I'm capable of. This really matters a lot because you want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and your best face forward in a means that will resonate with that person who's making the hiring decision and showcases your talents in the most optimum way. Now, if you are multi-talented, like my wife, and you can write, and you look great on the screen, and you have a nice speaking voice and all, well, good for you. You can demonstrate that all if you like, but I would really suggest you stick with one because it isn't necessary to broadcast yourself in three or four different mediums to get your point across. The idea is that you have a medium with which you are communicating with a potential employer or client that demonstrates to them that they can have assuredness that they are investing in the right person to solve the problem and do the job. Okay, I hope at this point you have done your homework, you have done an examination of your body of work to this point, and you've been able to determine what you feel is your mastery of skill set. If you're not sure what your mastery of skill is or the best way to present yourself, I would suggest that you ask someone close to you that you trust who has a good view of you and can give you good positive feedback on what they think is the best way to present yourself. Most of us have someone in our lives that we could ask in a confidential and vulnerable setting uh, for feedback about, hey, I'm thinking about presenting myself in the future. What do you think is the best way that I should show myself to the world? Should I do a video on YouTube? Should I record a podcast? Should I write a blog? And typically, those who know us best would be able to give us good sound advice on what would be a good strategy. As always, if you're not sure what strategy is right for you, you can always contact me at getmemichaelmack at gmail.com and I'd be happy to work with you to walk through how you can best put yourself forward in the job market to hopefully advance your options of getting work in the future. Now, having said all that, 
The second thing that you absolutely must have is a public persona. A public persona simply means that you exist in the public sphere, that you have not been hidden away in some cabin in the woods all this time and nobody's ever heard of you or seen you before or has any reference point for you to speak of. It's very important that you develop a public persona because it's going to be able to help others to relate to you as a person with knowledge and mastery of skill. Another way of saying this is if you have a public persona, then you are someone who is trusted and valued by other people in your community or in the community that you wish to serve. Once again, I'll give you an example of this. I grew up in a southern state in the United States, and it was a rural state. And because of that, it wasn't hard for everybody to know just about everybody in my town. All the families knew one another. Everybody knew who my parents were. Everybody knew who I was. And I carried some kind of personal persona in the town and even in parts of the state that I came from. People knew me as being a creative person. They knew me as being a visual artist. They knew me as being somebody who could speak, who could teach, etc. And so I kind of made a name for myself in that southern state uh, for a number of years. Now, a few years ago, my wife decided that she has had a lifelong uh, desire to live near New York City. It is her favorite place in the world. She really wanted to live near the city, and she said, I would love to live near New York. I, being incumbent, said, whatever you want, let's try to make it happen. So we packed up our belongings, we sold what we didn't need, and we moved to northern New Jersey, approximately eight miles from Manhattan. Well, the culture shock was not only the first thing that we found that was difficult about moving from a southern rural state to a highly metropolitan area near New York City. What we also found was that we didn't have very much of a public persona here, meaning that we didn't know very many people up here the way we did back home. We didn't have the colleagues and the connections and the people who know people in our regard that could help us further our careers up here. We were, in a way, starting over. Now, if you're in this position, that doesn't mean that it can't work or that you don't have any opportunities to overcome the challenges you might face. It just means that you have to be aware that you will have additional challenges of not having that persona of having a local community that may know you or be able to vouch for you for potential employers or clients. What I'd suggest you do instead, if you don't have a public persona, or even if you do, the best thing you can do is to build your public persona through social media. LinkedIn is probably the best place to professionally build your public persona And it's a resource which I think is woefully underestimated and underused by many, many of the clients I've worked with for personal brand development and for company brand development. LinkedIn is free. It does not really cost anything to build your uh, profile on LinkedIn. 
And if you spend a relatively short amount of time on LinkedIn, then you'll find that you can map yourself with other people in your industry with whom you've worked with or with people that you know that know you, etc. And you could begin to build a social network. It's extremely, extremely powerful because then if you know somebody that knows somebody on LinkedIn, your chances of getting that job are better than if you're just a name in you know, the wilderness asking for work. So if you don't have a good LinkedIn profile, please, please, please strengthen your LinkedIn profile. Really dig through and don't just try to, you know, connect with people that you don't know. But if you really haven't mined LinkedIn for all it's worth, go back in there and see who else is out there that you've worked with in the past or that you went to school with in the past or that had some kind of connection to you professionally that could really help you out in future work endeavors. Also, be sure to fill out your LinkedIn profile completely. Add your education, add your experience, add your interests, any place that you volunteer, uh, anything that you can think of that would be relevant to somebody who's hiring. Uh, please be sure and use that resource because it is so very powerful. Additionally, if you've not listened to my episode on developing your personal Twitter profile, then by all means, go back and listen to that because that's another asset and resource, which is 100% free. It doesn't cost you anything to get a professional Twitter profile, and that will also help you to set yourself apart in the industry and field of which you're pursuing to show that you are someone who's in the know, somebody who is well-equipped, somebody who's well-advanced and knowledgeable, and that the person who's hiring can trust you to solve their problem. Okay, two down, one to go, plus the kicker, which I'll add at the end, which may be applicable to you depending on your particular career path and skill set. We talked about mastery of skills and how you have to broadcast yourself in the best light that would showcase your mastery of skill, be it video and audio, video or audio, a blog or a visual portfolio or any combination therein. We also talk about having a personal persona and making sure that you have personal, professional, social media networks that you can use to broadcast your personal, professional skill set interest to future employers and contractors and to future network with people who know you and will be able to see how awesome you are and say, gosh, this person really has a lot on the ball I would not have any problem recommending them to somebody to do the job should they're applying. Additionally, and very importantly, don't forget that you really want to make sure that on those channels that you are on social media, that you are using them as an avenue to broadcast yourself and your personal brand. So, for example, if you have a YouTube channel where you've recorded videos demonstrating your skill set and expertise, make sure that you share those videos on LinkedIn or Twitter. Or make sure you include a link to your blog on your Twitter uh, profile or on your LinkedIn profile so that people may stumble upon that. It's a great way to drive traffic to your blog or your YouTube channel, your podcast. And it's also a great way for people to discover you for future work. Okay. 
now that we've discovered those two parts, we'll talk about the third part. Now, really, the first two parts are probably the biggest challenges that you have in personal branding. Really, if you can really get past the first two, then the third one should almost show itself in the process. But if not, let's make sure we talk about it distinctly. And the third thing that you really must have in order to personally brand yourself successfully is knowing the problem that you solve. It used to be that, at least when I started working, that if you really wanted a job, if you could show up and do a competent job and be, you know, fairly reliable, you could collect a paycheck and not a lot was required of you and you could just really kind of make a living. That may be uh, somewhat not the case for everyone, but that literally was the experience of me and my friends when I was growing up. I can tell you today that the job field has really changed, is continuing to change rapidly and drastically. And employers are really not just looking for someone that can stand around and get something done for pay. They are really are looking for problem solvers. They want people who can keep their wits about them in the workplace and notice if something's wrong, that they notice that it's wrong, and furthermore, have a helpful suggestion on a way to fix said problem. That is so incredibly valuable, particularly to small business owners who have so many things on their plate, that if you can solve a problem for them that they know they have, or even better, solve a problem that they didn't know they had, then you become extremely valuable and a that furthers to endorse and strengthen your personal brand. Now, this can come in many different forms, and some of them may be very obvious and some may not. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you are a bookkeeper and that you do invoicing and accounts payable for a living. Being a problem solver, your special skill set or the problem that you may solve may be organizational. You may say, I can organize these files better, or I have a better means of tracking this, this documentation, or I can cut down on our expenses by doing the following things. Anything, just anything that would happen in the course of your job that you could show that you could do that would help improve the bottom line for that business would automatically make you more valuable because it shows initiative and it shows that you're already thinking in terms of what can we do to improve the way things are done here. And this could happen in any any kind of field. Uh, I'll give the example of hiring the photographer again. When we were hiring for the photographer, the company I mentioned before, I hired, looked at different, different people, interviewed a number of different people for the job, and... In the course of the interview, I did the same thing with every candidate. I would take them to the equipment, and I'd say, this is the equipment we're using here. Tell me about the equipment. What do you see? What do you think? And most people, in the course of trying to be polite, would say, oh, this equipment's very nice. You know, the camera's nice. Your lights are nice. I, I think I could work with this equipment with no problem. Uh, I think this would be fine. And I'd say, oh, that's cool. Thank you. Okay. Sounds good. And I accepted that as a, a good right answer. But I had one gentleman come in and said, uh, this equipment is nice. It is. It, it does look good. But do you have 
this one simple piece of equipment that really should be a part of any photo studio. Do you not have one of these things? And I said, no. And he said, it only costs about $5. And you can get one at any photography store. And it really will make a big difference in how well the light is captured. I said, really? And he said, yeah. I said, you know, I've interviewed a number of different people. Nobody has mentioned this to me about needing this particular item. He said, well, I'm telling you that you really should have one of these things. It's not expensive, and it will probably improve your photography, so why not? I was pretty impressed with that. Since I, in fact, I still remember that, that that was somebody who showed the initiative that was willing to let me know that in the course of doing his job, that he wasn't just going to take pictures for money, that he was looking at ways that we could improve the process in a seamless, in a fast, in a smart way that would just really make things better. So, think about that. Think about the problem that you solve when you come to the job. Now, again, not every job has a specific problem that needs to be solved by your actions. Some things really just are what they are. Sometimes the job really is just doing the thing and not, you know, screwing it up. But the more educated you are, the more experience you have, the more likely it is that in the course of your career, you have solved problems. You have found ways to eliminate waste or to increase productivity or to solve a problem in a creative way or to notice how things could be improved. And by demonstrating those things or showcasing them in a smart way or bringing them up in the course of the interview can really demonstrate that you have a lot going on upstairs and that you have more to offer than just being able to perfunctorily perform an assignment adequately. Think about that. Again, I don't want to really repeat this a lot, but if you don't know what your problem-solving skill set is, call me at 304-881-9051 or send me an email or uh, text me at 304-881-9051 or email me at getmemichaelback at gmail.com. I'd be happy to work with you to figure out what problem you solve in your particular area and how we can showcase that best. All right. I hope that you found this information useful and helpful. I hope that you're able to take this information and apply it to your career immediately. And I'm certain that if you can add these steps to the mix of things that you're doing, it will really increase your chances of finding your next job, winning the next bid, or getting the next contract. Stay tuned for next time and stick around for the kicker, which may be of great interest to you and yours. Okay, this is the advertised kicker or the fourth thing that you might have. And if you do, I would definitely make sure that you include this throughout. That if you have this particular fourth element to your personal brand, it could add a little extra highlight or a little additional sheen to your veneer. And that would be a niche. A niche category can be really useful in helping to set you apart from your competition, particularly in the application process, because if you have a specialty of which you operate in or that you can operate in, 
that can really be beneficial to a hiring manager. Nobody wants to hire somebody that's just good at things in general, right? We want to make sure that we're getting the right person for the right job to do the right thing specifically. And so sometimes the more specific that you can be and how good you are at this particular thing can really set you apart. So this can cut both ways. Uh, remember that if you're too niche, if you are too cornered or too finite in your focus, that can work against you because then you seem like you're only good at one thing. And if you don't do that thing, you're no good at all. So you don't want to be that. But at the same time, you don't want to be so broad that you don't really seem like that you have a particular niche category that you fill. I'll give you the example one more time. This will be the last time, I promise. Which is the tabletop photographer. Remember, we were looking for a type of photographer to do a type of photography, which was very specific. It required a very specific skill set. And so in our search, when we stipulated we were looking for a tabletop photographer, uh, what we really wanted was people who had specific experience with tabletop photography to apply. Now, if somebody did have tabletop experience and made that explicit as part of their niche expertise, which they offered, that would have been super duper helpful because that would have told us a lot that this person not only is a good photographer, but has photography experience in the specific area that we need. I'll give you another example. My wife is a, as I mentioned before, a very good writer and a very good editor. And she's especially good, not so much at fiction editing and fiction writing, but technical editing. So she's an exceptional technical editor for technical writing. So, for example, in our graduate program, she worked with one of our tenure professors to technically edit a textbook that he was writing for publication. So she went through cover to cover, which was very technical information, and helped to identify different parts of it that needed to be cleaned up for grammar, for punctuation, for accuracy of language, etc. So if someone was looking for somebody to proofread a manual or proofread a technical document or proofread a blog post, she would be a really great person to do that because not only is she a very good editor, she's a very, very good technical editor for technical writing. It's a very specific skill set. Not everybody needs it, but if you really need one, then you probably need to get your hands on her. So I hope that's useful. And again, in some cases, people will have specific niche categories with which they can really specialize and make sure that they add that as a, an extra dimension of their skills and in some cases, you may not, and that's okay. It doesn't make you any lesser a great candidate than the other guy. In some cases, it just means, again, that maybe your field doesn't have that particular need, or you just may not have that niche, and that's just the way it is. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. I do love hearing from you. So please do email me your feedback at getmemichaelmack at gmail.com. I appreciate your questions and your prompts. If you have any ideas for future shows or things that you'd like for me to talk about, please email me and let me know or text me at 304-881-9051 or follow me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, and Tumblr at Get Me Michael Mac. Have a good week and I'll talk to you next time.